Hello and welcome to the newest and what will be the last episode of the Fulham Broadway's Finest. Um, before we continue, I just want to say thank you to everyone who has um, really given me the support during this podcast and who has also been on the show. Um, I've done a tweet earlier about that, um, saying my thank yous, but again, I just want to say a big thank you for that and it was much appreciated. I also want to say a massive thank you to Fanslide, um, who have partnered and sponsored me for my um, podcasting career, shall we say. Uh, and before I put an end to it, I just want to give you a quick insight into what Fanslide is one last time. Now, it is a live in-play fantasy football game. And if you play the Fantasy Premier League, as I'm assuming a lot of you do, you really will enjoy this game as I absolutely love it. Now, like I said, it is the world's first in-play fantasy football game and it's so enjoyable and so easy to play. Now, all you do is you pick a match that is uh, that is on and you start off with three players. Now, there are three players you need to pick from either of the teams and you have single points, double points and triple points. Now, you need to be quite strategical when you do this because if you take a player out, because bearing in mind you can only use them for a maximum of 20 minutes, if you take them out before that 20 minutes finishes, then you'll incur a two-point deduction, which is what you definitely don't want as it is a very competitive game and it is always very close to the finish. So like I said, it is the world's first in-play fantasy football game. It is completely free and you also have a chance to win money. Now, on some of the games, they do have a prize pot, a jackpot. Some of them is £200, some of them is maybe £300. And like it's completely free to enter. So you play against the live leaderboard and live other players. And whoever comes first, second and third wins a slice of the money. So what more could you possibly want? You're playing football for free and you have a chance to win money. Now, it is honestly a fantastic game and I wouldn't just be saying this. I really do enjoy it. Um, and I really hope that if you haven't downloaded it already, that you do. And my the link to the game is in my Twitter bio. So if you click that, it will take you to the App Store or the Google Play Store. Download it, add me as a friend. And even though I won't be doing these podcasts for now, I still will be playing, so add me on there. But otherwise, again, just thank you to everyone who has um, come on the show and given me the support, and we will get on with the last episode. Hello and welcome to the newest and what will be the last episode of the Fulham Broadway's Finest. As ever, I want to say a quick thank you to everyone who is listening and has listened and all the guests who have been on the show. And I thought, what better way to end this rather than my good friend, James, also known as Carefree James. He's been on here before. You should be following him on Twitter if you haven't already. He likes to take the mick out of a lot of people, gets a few nibbles here and there. Absolutely banterous lad he is. Banterous <laughs> lad. Banterous lad. James, thanks for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. No problem at all, Chris. Thanks very much for having me. It's an honour to be part of the uh, the final episode of the Fuller Ball Waste. The finale. Podcast. The finale indeed. This will go down in history, mate. Um, but what I want to start on talking about is, I think, quite an obvious topic that we also did, I think, cover in our last episode we did together when Lampard was in charge and what we thought about his future. And that was your reaction to, to when he was sacked. I think it's been about three weeks now. Um, I remember waking up on a on a Monday morning. We had just beaten, well, we just won in the FA Cup onto the next round. And then I, I see my phone about half nine a lot of people tweeting sad faces and uh, I think it was Matt Law uh, who, who reported it first 
uh, Lampard was going to be sacked today. I mean, when you saw that, one, were you expecting it? And, and, and two, what were you thinking? I mean, with the Lampard situation, uh, we touched a little while ago when we were having a chat about it. Um, I sort of, when, when previous kind of favourite managers of mine were sat, so obviously Mourinho uh, back in the, uh, 2016, Conte 2018, um, I sort of almost felt kind of like a sense of betrayal, if you like, by the club. Obviously very short-lived, but almost like an anger, almost kind of falling out of love with the club a little bit. Just couldn't believe that someone that had given us so much would have been treated like that. Um, and if I'm being honest, I thought I'd feel the same with Lampard. However, I think it had become so transparent in the weeks beforehand that it was going to happen that I, I think it, it almost softened the blow a little bit. I, I don't think it hit me as hard as possible because I think we were in a sort of a situation of uh, when as opposed to if. So I saw that it was a case of waking up, seeing the tweets and just uh, obviously your heart sinks, but it was, well, let's, let's just sort of rip the bandage off, if you know what I mean. Um, in regards to the FA Cup, I mean, obviously, as it's all come out since, they clearly, like, the result prior to the FA Cup against Leicester, obviously, that was the final straw. Uh, and obviously, they've just taken those extra days to arrange uh, Thomas Tuchel. Uh, but yeah, of course, really disappointed. Um, you know, Lampard, he, he was my childhood hero. Um, I never wanted anyone to succeed more at Chelsea than him. And I genuinely, with all of my heart, believe he did. But unfortunately, um, some things aren't just meant to be. Where did it go wrong for him? I think, if I'm being totally honest, obviously with January, sorry, not January, the summer signings and everything coming in, I'm not saying he signed the wrong players because I don't think he did, but I think perhaps the expectation to sign five or six core squad players that have come from all different leagues around the world and put more than one team together and expect them to gel and start winning things straight away might have been unfair to expect both as a fan base and obviously from Abramovich and the higher up people at Chelsea. Obviously, some managers have done it before. Um, however, I think Frank Lampard's timeline is has been quite unfortunate because if you look at other managers what the sort of the usual timeline will be they'll have that first transfer window to find all the players they need they'll have a season to get their best squad build the best squad find out their best team and then the following season that's where the expectation comes in however obviously with Lampard having that transfer ban that was the season of no expectation and then we almost sort of missed the middle step we missed the the season where Lampard was allowed to find his best team get these new signings together um and the expectation was there straight away now i'm, I'm not making excuses i'm not saying oh you should have been given more time he was definitely 100 percent the right man with the job and it would have gotten better the next year but I, I do think that is in answer to your question where it went wrong that maybe the task that he was set out with to begin with was potentially a little bit too high for the time frame that was expected of him do you think he was betrayed by the club? Now, I, I say this because, in my opinion, looking back at it now, I think I think they did him a little bit dirty. They they offered him the job when we had the transfer embargo. Now, in my opinion, no top manager would have taken us over at that time. Our, our squad wasn't the best. Um, I know we came off winning the Europa League, but it was ageing. Um, obviously, Hazard left, our best player. So Chelsea then, you know, go, well, who could be a point? Well, you know, Frank's at Derby. 
he's done, he's done okay. Um, just missed out on promotion. You know, a Chelsea legend. And I think they were also trying to get maybe some the fans on the side because there was quite a split when 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 Sari was there. So now looking back, at it, I I think they did betray him a little bit. I, I don't you know they they spoke about this this project. You know, three years. He needs time. He's a young manager. But I mean, you look at you know that they they hired him because no one else would take the job. And, you know, Frank wouldn't say no to Chelsea. Um, and then you know he they, he he brought the, the the people in. He brought he brought you know people like Thiago Silva in who who he played a massive influence on. And then they sacked him. You know, um, you know a year well what was it a season and a half into his job. So do you, do you think they do you think they did that on purpose because they just knew, knew he wouldn't refuse? I think oh, I totally agree with you in the sense that I think any top tier manager wasn't going to go near Chelsea with a ten foot pole when the transfer banner coming. We just lost Hazard, like you said. It, it was it was quite a bleak period. Um, the way I see it, and I know there's been, I don't think anything's ever been confirmed because obviously, like you said, there was all this public talk of kind of a three year plan and things like that. The way that I saw it with Frank Lampard is like you say, he was brought in new manager, but he'd done well at Derby. Obviously a total club legend was going to get the fans on the sides. The way I saw it initially when Lampard came in is his appointment was to kind of just almost, almost, almost damage limitation. If you see what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a steer the ship in the right direction, get through to the end of the season and then maybe look at kind of appointing someone of a higher calibre. Obviously, I think it's fair to say Lampard exceeded expectations in his first season. Um, hence, I think that obviously it sort of it charged forward. There, there wasn't a question in the summer of, oh, is Lampard going to step aside for someone, <clears throat> someone else? It was, this is Lampard's Chelsea. It, it, was, all, it was all coming together, basically. Um, and I, I think basic, what I would imagine has happened, and I might be totally wrong, is I'm not 100% sure that kind of off the record it was the plan maybe to carry on with Lampard. And I think he, Abramovich has probably sat down with him or the board or whatever has sat down with him and said, right, you know, we're, we're going to put the money into you. We're going to put our faith behind you because the fans are loving you. It's the atmosphere is brilliant now around Chelsea. However, just know now you've got the money. There isn't any excuses, basically. And like I say, that kind of circles back to what I said, that he hasn't had he wasn't then given that time to find his best mm -hmm. squad. Didn't have a preseason, <clears throat> didn't have anything like that. Um, would I would I go as far as to say he was betrayed by Chelsea? I'm not sure because I think I think he he was touching in press conferences prior to his exit that he obviously had been made very aware of the pressure on the job. Yeah, and I I don't see it being a hostile sacking. I think he probably. He, he probably would have been very aware that it was coming if the results weren't changing. And I, I see the meeting where he sat down with Marina and um, the other bloke, I've pulled an absolute Bruce blank. Buck. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I, I, I don't see it as being quite aggressive. As I see it as more of a being a case of, you know, obviously it isn't working. Let's just kind of make this as amicable as possible. Um, and yeah, and I think obviously the stories came out, didn't they? That he wasn't allowed to go to the training ground and said goodbye. But yeah. I'm not sure was was that ever proven or, or I, well, I, I heard think, other. I stories. think there was two sides. I heard that yeah, as you said, he wasn't allowed to go to the training ground to say goodbyes. But I also heard that he refused to go to the training ground and say goodbyes. So I I heard those two, um, but I don't think it was ever confirmed, um, and I don't think it will ever be confirmed on that one. 
I just, I basically, I can't see, especially kind of fitting in with this narrative of kind of a gentle goodbye, um, especially with Roman's statement, which was obviously unprecedented with another manager. Yeah. I think the whole, everyone was very fond of Frank Lampard. I don't, I don't think there was, like, potentially there might have been player unrest, but I don't ever see there being a strained relationship between Lampard and the hierarchy. Um, I, I don't see a situation where they'd have said to him, pack your bags, you're not allowed to go and say goodbye to the players. I fully probably believe that that was a, a call on his behalf. Yeah, no, I agree. And I also agree because you look, Roman Abramovich comes out and, and puts his statement on you know, Frank's dismissal. And I don't think I'm wrong in saying that he's never done that for any other manager. So I think it shows just, you know, Roman knew how much Frank meant to the club and how much Chelsea means to Frank and what what he means to the fans. So, I, you know, Marina is very cold-hearted. That's well documented. But I can't see her refusing Frank to go to Cobham to say goodbye to his players. Um, I just I just can't see that happening. But, you know, yeah, he, he was dismissed. Um, and I think it will always hurt. Um, because, you know, we had such a good summer prior to that. We had buying all these players. And, you know, I think maybe we did get carried away a little. I did. Um, oh. I'll definitely say that. Because I, I, I did honestly think that we could go on and potentially win the league. <clears throat> and at one point, you know, we were top of the table. Um we were 17 games unbeaten. Everything looked like it was going amazingly, going well to plan. Um, but then things just kind of fizzled out. So for me, it will, it will always hurt. But I, I do think he will be back one day. Um, I, I think now he needs to go and take a good good job. At, you know, he was linked to the Bournemouth job. Um, I think that's probably a step far too back for him. I think he needs a lower Premier League team now. Because he is he is a good manager. He 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 did some you know he's had some performances in some games where where he was amazing. Look, he he got he got it over Mourinho, um, and that's not you know that's not very easy to do because we all know what Mourinho is and, and with his tactics. And Frank on a couple of matches did you know outplay him, did did beat him tactically. Mm-hmm. So I I think a job maybe like a a Crystal Palace, some someone like that, still in London. You know, uh, I, I don't mind Crystal Palace. Um, you know, they're, they're a nice little club. So I think that'll do him wonders. Obviously, he was dismissed. Then Thomas Tuchel was um, announced. And what did you think about that announcement? Because like you said, you know, I think we all saw it a few weeks before his, his dismissal that he was potentially going to be getting the sack depending on, on results to certain teams. Um, and I would be lying if I didn't say I didn't read about Tuchel at all because... You know, he was he was the name floating around. So were you were you, were you quite happy with his appointment? I think out of um, out of the the managers that were supposedly available. I mean, available is obviously not the right term because Nagelsmann was in the mix. In terms yeah, I of think you had allergy. If that's how you pronounce it. I yeah. know Benitez's name was floating around, <laughs> and I will not ever say his name again because I can't stand the bloke. Um, yeah, we had two call. Um, I think that was. I think that was it, wasn't it? I think mainly yeah. it was allergy and Tuchel. In terms of who was available, I think Tuchel, Tuchel felt like the uh, the best fit for Chelsea, definitely. Um, it was it was kind of a case of, I think, everything was slotting into place. Obviously, he was let go of PSG just as Chelsea to run the form was turning, um, as I'm sure you're aware more than, more than many other people. Um, 
the Chelsea fan base, particularly the Twitter side of things, are very quick, were very quick to turn on Frank Lampard, even when sort of there were odds, bad results, let alone a poor running form. So I think obviously Tuchel's name was involved very quickly. Um, I'll be totally honest, I didn't do too much research on him. And the jury was out for a little while. I think we said you've always got to take winning titles with PSG in France with a little bit of a pinch of salt. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's PSG in France. Um, but that being said, since he's been here, I've been pleasantly surprised. Um well, not even maybe surprise, but it, it's a difficult one because with a, a new manager, you've kind of got to almost put the emotion of the previous manager out of your head and just go at it with a total blank slate. And I think that applies to players as well again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I was happier that he was announced than Nagelsmann. I didn't want Nagelsmann just out of a principal level because I understand he's a very young manager. I don't think two calls uh, too old anyway, but um, a very young manager, very new on the scene. Um, and I, all, what I didn't want was for Lampard as kind of a quote-unquote project manager to be dismissed and then as to bring in the same sort of thing. Yes, you could probably argue that Nagelsmann's done better with Leipzig in Germany than Lampard did in England with Chelsea, but it's it's still the same sort of young, unexperienced yeah. manager that you've got to give a bit of time. I just thought, right, if Lampard's going to go, there's no excuse not to get a proven winner in that's going to win us titles and it's just like that's that's going to be it because that's the way the club operates yeah definitely I mean and like you said you, winning titles with PSG you do have to take with a pinch of salt obviously he did lead him to the Champions League final um, and you know he came up against some very good teams and you know he had to get there um, so there's you know, there's no doubting that he did well at Dortmund um, so you know I was happy that, that we got him Um especially after who else will be linked with. And you, you're really right on, on Nagelsmann. A lot of people were, were bending over backwards because they wanted him at, at, at the team. But if you actually question their, on, on why, it doesn't make sense. They they want Lampard gone because he's a, in quote, a, a project manager with no experience or very little experience and, and no trophies to show for that. And then you go to Nagelsmann, who, yes, is, is, is slightly more experienced than, than Lampard. Um, but he hasn't really got anything to show for it either. So I, I, I don't think we wouldn't be going, we wouldn't be taking a step forward. We wouldn't be taking a step backwards. And if we were going to go for Nagelsmann, I don't see why we would have sacked Lampard. Um, but with Tuchel, obviously he's, he only had a day preparation, if that one training session um, to, to lead us out against Wolves. Did you notice anything different? Against us, play against Wolves? I think, um, well, when I first saw, because obviously Tuchel's been lining up, he's obviously playing the three at the back and then the wing backs. Um, I, I was quite interested because obviously seeing Hudson Adoy at right wing back and obviously the big change in formation straight away that hasn't really been done by Chelsea since Conte. Yeah. Uh, and obviously we all saw how that ended up. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Now, a lot of people were, and I, I couldn't quite believe what I was reading. I, I suppose it just shows kind of how reactionary online fans are. But I, I watched Wolves, I watched the Wolves game and I was, I was happy with it. It finished nil-nil and I was like, right, well, we've not conceded a goal. And let's be honest, we're doing that more often than not at the moment. Um, they, I don't, did they get a shot on target? They might have had one or something. I don't or, know if they did. Yeah, but, um, and Chelsea looked 
quite good. Yeah, there was well, a lot very of... good passage plays in that game. Exactly. And I thought, and I was thinking, right, that's great, because I was this guy's had one day in charge, doesn't know his squad whatsoever. I was genuinely expecting Chris to go out and get comfortably beaten by Wolves because I thought morale would have been through the floor. The guy doesn't know his team, he's just gonna yeah. be experimenting. I wouldn't have been surprised if it was two or three nil. So at nil nil, I was you know, I'm not glorifying a draw, but I was like, okay, for 24 hours notice, he's managed to kind of stop this run that we've been on and hopefully we can kind of turn it around. Then I come online and people are talking about one of the terms that always cracks me up is terrorist football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, just going on because it was a nil-nil draw and I just honestly I had to give my head a wobble. But um, yeah, I, I, I was optimistic. And yeah. like I touched on earlier, when a new manager comes in, you've not only got to kind of bring in a blank slate for the manager, but rather the players, because under a different manager, you know, some players that were big favourites of Lampard uh, might not be seen in the team very often. Likewise, some that were frozen out might be. And, you know, I'm, I'm the same as you. There are certain Chelsea players which have been all but dead to me because of their performances and actions on and off the pitch. Um, however, it's with a new manager and you've got to sort of just almost put all of that behind you and say, right, it's a new start. Who's going to who's going to kind of take the opportunity by the reins and show what they're made of? Yeah. And, and on that point, there's one player who I who I did tweet about. I've got a feeling I, I know who's coming. Yeah, who I was. To see, it, it was leaked the night before by the Secret Scout and I was disgusted and mortified to see that Marcus Alonso came back into that team. Now, there was no doubting that he was a very good left-wing back. I mean, look at him in, in the Conte season. He was... Unbelievable, yeah. He, he was unbelievable. There's no other word to put it. He was unbelievable. Um, and since the end of that season, he's never, been, he's never been the player he was, but you can see he's always tried, and I've never had a problem with him, you know, personally. But then when we were playing West Brom this season, and obviously then all the stories came out that he, um, he after well, he got subbed off at half-time because that's probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen from any player in any league I've ever watched. Mm. Um, and then, you know, he, he, he stormed off and wanted to sit on the coach uh, and he didn't want to come and support us. To me personally, he should never play for that for the club again. He should never be able to put that Chelsea shit on again because he could not be bothered to support the team because he's had a bad first half of football. So that's why I think it was disgusting that he got another chance. And I know you get another chance for a new manager. That's all and fine. But I still think your reputation, you know, if you're that easily able to walk out on the team, then what are you going to do in the future? Are you going to try? Or are you not? You know, this is the difference between zero and three points. So, and then obviously then he went and he scored an absolute worldie, which, you know, it, it, it was a good goal. There's, there's, there's no sugarcoat in that. It was a very good goal. But what, what did you think about his, his um, you know, inclusion in, into the eleven? Do you think I'm being harsh or do you agree? Well, the thing is, is it's funny, actually, you speak about it, how you never really had an issue with Alonso kind of up until the West Brom game, even though he wasn't brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, you, you thought he'd try as well. Um, I totally disagree with that, actually. You do? Um, for, for me, Alonso, since Conte and since we've come away from the kind of three at the back and formation, stop playing wing backs, I think Marcus Alonso's debatably been one of Chelsea's worst players. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't... 
in terms of players with bad performances, I can get behind them, but he's one of the players that I think quite a lot of the time really hasn't looked asked. Um, kind of when we, like you say, show came out during that West Brom game. I think he's one of these players that's had the attitude of kind of when the team's gone behind, you yeah. never see him sort of riling the team or riling the fans up, kind of ready to go. He's always the one sort of dragging his feet at the back. And he, and he did put no effort in that game because he was outpaced by, I don't know who it was, and they honestly had about a 15 to 20 yard head start on him and he still lost. Mm. And, um, but yeah, so actually over quite a while, I'd, it wasn't sort of like a straight away thing, but I developed a sort of gradual disliking for Marcus Alonso. I know that's bad because you should obviously support your players, but it, it just didn't really look like he was playing for the shirt. He sort of he, he could pop up and maybe get an assist or something, but and sort of when the good times were flowing, he was all involved. But then when we were losing, he'd always kind of like skulk off the pitch at the end of the game, wouldn't clap the fans, and obviously that was spotted and he was dropped for a long time. Um, in regards, I totally agree with you on the in the sense of his reaction to the West Brom games, totally out of order. Um, do I think it meant that he shouldn't have been given another chance? I'm going to say no, just because once again, coming back to the new manager topic, it is a sort of a pure fresh start. I don't think it should be forgotten how he acted at all, uh, but I think it's a case of he now can make it up to us on the pitch. If he can recapture that 16-17 form, Chris, he, he can start every game. If he's going to pay Over that back for us by a left wing back, I'd say so, yeah. Do you think we're going to stick with these this wing back system again? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's been working well for us yeah. so far. Um, obviously, we're, we're currently unbeaten. Maybe that isn't sort of too too much to brag about since it's only been a few games but obviously we beat Tottenham um beat a top 16 which is more than you can say for <laughs> another certain uh, t- title challenging club um and you know what I mean it's all it's all going well so far and I mean at the end of the day if you look back to that 16-17 season we had a torrid start to the year obviously yeah. it didn't go on as long as February uh but we then changed to that back three uh and all of a sudden it all turned around so of course I'm not for a second saying that we're going to go and storm the league title out of nowhere now but you know why why not if it's working and like I say it's I'm a big fan of Ben Chilwell and obviously as I've mentioned I haven't been a big fan of Marcus Alonso but at the end of the day it's about who's going to win his games and well Marcus Alonso showed in his first few matches that he's it's the position he belongs at. Yeah I mean it's quite strange how Alonso can be a very, very good player, just a few foot higher up the pitch than if he was at left back. So I will never understand how, how that works for him. But granted, he has been showing effort. I mean, even against Tottenham, he even showed a little bit of pace, which I've never seen from him before. Mm. And I was I was actually quite uh, quite surprised that I saw that. Um, he just needs to learn how to use his right foot now, as he is probably the most one-footed player I've ever seen um, seen play. Um, sorry, were you going to say something? Uh, no, I was. I was just. I was just going to briefly touch on um, something. I think I suppose we should be. It's. It's. It's all fine. Kind of hyping up how well he's been doing, but that a type of player I've always had an issue with at Chelsea are the ones that kind of turn it on and off. Yeah. How, sort of when they feel like it. Now the biggest, the biggest definition of that was Willian, um, oh. in terms of a player that could play very well 
when he wanted to, but it was never a consistent thing. And I suppose it's just something to keep an eye out for Marcus Alonso that, yeah, it's great if he's recapturing form, but then I suppose questions have got to be asked. Is, is he doing it because the manager's changed or just because he's been given the opportunity? But that's something that's going to have to wait to be seen. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, have you been enjoying watching us play lately? Because I personally have. Uh, this, everyone knows how much I, I love Lampard, but near near the end of his of his time I was not enjoying us playing I was actually dreading us playing because I just didn't know what team was going to be out how they can perform and then obviously all the backlash it was just tiring seeing you know fat Lampard out Lampard out it was just it was boring but under Tuchel you know the Wolves game I was optimistic because it was a new manager but since then I've actually really enjoyed the, the football we're playing um, you know, especially against Tottenham, because that that is one of the best games, probably maybe the best game for me, I think, this year that we've played in. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I think the thing is, is um, I think in terms of your enjoyment of a game, so much of it has to do with your mindset going into it. So like you said, obviously, towards the end with Lampard, there was a new team, a new formation, new everything sort of every week. And um, it was... It was almost stressful watching it because you knew it was at a toss of a coin, I should say, whether we were going to sort of comfortably go and walk it or we we were going to be absolutely on the ropes and sort of end up with egg in our face. Um, And I think I've, I've almost felt almost a sense of calm, if that makes sense, going into Chelsea games, very similar to how I did kind of that October November run that we went on when obviously we went however 17 however many games unbeaten in all competitions obviously walked our Champions League group of sort of sitting down and not really having it in my head that there was kind of a chance that Chelsea were going to be bad um whereas obviously within the last couple of months it's you you're playing teams like you're coming up against like Aston Villa West Ham things like that like to Fulham and you're sitting down, you're ready for the game, but you're thinking, you know, I, I couldn't confidently say that Chelsea are going to win this. Yeah. And that's, like I say, I think that sort of sense of calm has kind of returned a little bit. And maybe maybe that's a little bit premature. Maybe I'm getting a bit ahead of myself and maybe it's silly to kind of be being like, right, OK, we're fine again. Because um, obviously I'm sure there will be a little rocky spell for the end of the season. In fact, I don't have a doubt in my mind. Um, but I'm... I definitely am enjoying the football. I'm enjoying watching it, not nervous that we're going to drop a stinker and that the team seems a lot more solid and sort of secure and comfortable the way that they're playing. So where do you see the season going now? Obviously, we're currently fifth, one point behind Liverpool. Um, we've got FA Cup tomorrow. Um, so, but, but Premier, I mean, yeah. So do you see us winning the FA Cup? Where do you see us finishing in the Premier League? And what about the Champions League? I think in terms of um, in terms of realistic expectations, um, I, I think it's taken quite a while and it, it's been quite painful because there's been quite a lot of pride swallowing to sort of admit that obviously Chelsea aren't going to challenge for the Premier League this year. Um, I think even for quite quite a long time into the poor streak we were having, I sort of said, right, well, yes, Chelsea are on a bad run, but look at the season everyone else is having. Big teams are dropping points left, right and centre. If we can get on a a run of form then there's no reason why Chelsea can't be back in the race sort of five or six weeks down the line however obviously unfortunately um, Manchester City have of course um, captured their yeah, their form from a couple of seasons ago and they're now absolutely steamrolling it so obviously that's out of the picture um, and it, it has taken a long time for me to admit that because like yourself I was I, honestly Chris 
I I was certain at the start of the season that we were winning the league, yeah, and maybe that was that was fo- that that was foolish. Maybe that was silly. Maybe that was getting ahead of myself. But I was I was so sure with the buzz around the club, the signings, everything that we were just going to walk it this year. It wasn't even going to be a contest. Yeah. Um, in terms of where I realistically think we'll finish, I definitely think top four now because I know I, I couldn't quite believe. It. I, I saw a tweet a little while ago. I can't remember who it's with, but it really irritated me. After Tuchel was appointed, and some, I think it was a Tottenham sport, said, don't underestimate Chelsea. They're definitely in the race for the top four. And I was like, well, yes. Like, I, I think I'll be quite upset if we don't comfortably finish yeah. top four, actually. But I, I think, I, just, yeah, I suppose in terms of a damage limitation perspective, it's got to be top four. We're obviously not going to catch City. But if the results can carry on and we can start getting results in the big games, then, yeah, third or fourth, it's, you know, that's that's well, the realistic don't rule, out, don't rule out second because I know Man United are there, but... They're, I actually I do not rate Man United this year. I know they're second. I know they're above us, but the football they are playing is horrid. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I I think their luck, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a bitter fan, but their luck they have had is honestly mind blowing. Some of the decisions that have gone in gone in their way, is just are. I, I honestly think that there's maybe a bit of corruption there or something because I just can't believe some of the decisions they get. Um, but I, I, I think they'll start to fall off. Um, I do because I don't, I don't see them, them keeping it up. Um, yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt yeah. we are we are definitely a, a better team than them, one hundred percent. So we just need to get a bit of form, which we look like we're we're, we're finally getting. So I, I think we might get second or third because it is very it's very tight. Um, but it all depends on what on what Liverpool are doing. Um, but I think I think top four is is, is a given. Um, FA Cup and Champions League. <laughs> right now, um, now obviously the the real kind of blind optimist in me will come out. Um, eh, well, FA Cup to start off with. I mean, the FA Cup's anyone's game. Um, I think actually, weirdly, um, I, I was having a little look. I think the bookies have actually got Chelsea down as favourites to win the FA Cup. Okay. Uh, obviously, they take into effect kind of tradi- well more not traditionally, but like more so recently. Bigger, t- bigger teams, quote unquote, maybe won't focus all of their efforts in the FA Cup if they've sort of got bigger fr- fish to fry, if you like. Mm-hmm. So I think obviously with all of that kind of worked out, the bookies seem to, th- we're still sort of like six or seven to one, but like people still think that Chelsea are, are favourites for the cup. Now, obviously the FA Cup, as we saw last season, um, you know, Chelsea should have won the FA Cup last season. I think we were quite unlucky in the final. And then obviously, unfortunately, we just totally dropped off in the second half. Uh, Pulisic pulling up at the worst possible moment. Yeah, uh, we, we should have won it last season, but that's the way the FA Cup is. You know, if, if there's small teams like Arsenal winning it every other year, then like it's not, you, you can never bank on it, can you? No. Um, now, Champions League, um, I think I remember the... <laughs> like the feeling the pit of my stomach when we drew up Atletico <laughs> because obviously if you look at the teams in that pot like if we're being totally honest the only real formidable one the only one that w- wasn't I'd go as far to say a straightforward route to the quarterfinals was Atletico Madrid yeah um Obviously, they're going to be a massive test. I think they're 10 points clear at the top of La Liga or seven points or whatever it is. They're flying in Spain at the moment. And now Suarez. Yeah, and obviously he's just bashing them in left, right and centre, yeah. isn't he? Um, 
I don't see them as unbeatable. I genuinely don't. And maybe that's just me being totally delusional, kind of getting really ahead of myself because we've managed to beat Burnley. But um, I, I, I can see, and I'm, I, I don't want to be one of these people that keep, looks like, oh, it's 2012 again. No one's expecting us to win it. But I, I genuinely think if we could, we're going to give Atletico a really good game, like a really good couple of games. And I, I don't think it's going to be a repeat of Bayern last year because let's face it, Bayern, that, that was a total outlier in, in terms of, um, that was a complete exception. That Bayern team are, are, are monsters. Like there was, there was no shame in losing the way that we did to no. them last season. Um, I, I genuinely think we'll give them a run for their money. And I mean, if if, if we can squeeze past them, um, it's a case of why not? If, if you look across Europe, <clears throat> even Bayern at the moment are dropping points in the Bundesliga. PSG, I think, are third. Barcelona and Real Madrid are nowhere to be seen. Do you know what? It, it's, it's just, it's quite simply a case of why not believe? Why not yeah. think if we can get past that, let's go. Why couldn't we go on a bit of a run, get to the semi-final final? Obviously, I'm not going to go and say we're going to win the Champions League because like, but you know, it's why not? Why not? I mean, look, you've got to be in it to win it. So who 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 knows? Who knows what will happen? Um, but it's also been announced today that it's going to be, I think it's going to be in Bucharest. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's it's not their stadiums so that might play a little bit of a factor into it, a bit of a neutral ground. But mate, I, I think we've covered everything that we were going to cover, um, and I think that's it. I think that's the end of the Fulham Broadway's finest for now, anyway. Um, but yeah, thanks thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem at all, Chris. Well, I'll tell you what, it's been great. It's my second time on the pods. Uh, it's been great to be a part of having a chat and it's been great to listen to. It's been brilliant while, well, before obviously lockdown, commuting to work, <laughs> yeah. uh, good listen to in the morning. And um, it's definitely something I hope gets picked up again in the future. Well, we'll have to see. We will have to see. Um, maybe if we win the Champions League, I might, I might come back. <laughs> a one-off. Um, but in the meantime, as I said uh, at the start, I just want to say thank you to everyone, including yourself, James, who, who has been on the show and also everyone who has who has listened and, and shared it. It's um it's been really it's been really nice to do. I've I've really enjoyed it. But uh things happen and I, I must put a put a stop to it for now. Never say never. But yeah, I just want to say again thank you to everyone um who has who has listened to it, who's continued to show support and uh, who never know we, we might we might do it again uh, another day. But for now, speak to you later. Bye bye. Take care. Bye.